Hello, and thank you for joining the New Life Baptist Church podcast. It is such a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you through this platform, and it's our desire that you would have an open heart to receive what the Lord has for you through this message. If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at newlifecasagrande.com. There you'll find contact information to reach us directly, or if you're local to the Casa Grande area, you'll find information to plan your first visit. If you benefit from this sermon, please share it with a friend or feel free to leave a review. Now, let's get ready to hear what God has for us today. Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Romans. The book of Romans this morning. And this is where uh, God's going to let us launch from today, the book of Romans. I, um, I've never been in investing. I'm just curious how many of you are okay to, to admit, uh, and there's nothing wrong, by the way, I, but you know what I mean, the privacy aspect of it. But how many of you would say, we're investors, we have um, stocks or if, I guess it's mutual funds and bonds or whatever, we have bought into some of that. Would you raise your hand? Anybody bought into stocks? Yeah, a good portion of our, of our church family. And then the rest of you who don't want us to know, okay? And then, uh, but uh, there's, there's uh, uh, some of us who have purchased some stocks and made some investments. Some of us maybe have a good 401k or whatever. And, and so we're kind of keeping our eye on that. The word hope is interesting when you tie it in to the understanding of purchasing stocks. Let, let's just go with that if we could for a moment. Um, I'm going to buy stock in Apple or I'm going to buy stock in Lucid or, or I'm going to buy stock in Walmart. Okay, so when, when we look into these companies, here's this understanding of hope that we're hoping to have, right? Stocks are something that we hope are going to continue to give us gain and investment. So when we go to buy into a company, most of us do not purchase stocks into a company that we already know is wishy-washy, correct? That would be, that would be unwise. You're not going to purchase you know, uh, stock into Ray.com, okay, because we're a little nervous about Ray in the first place. And so uh, it would be unwise to do that. So, so we're going to purchase stock into companies that we really believe are going to be successful and going to gain momentum so it helps my portfolio. Pretty cool that I had that word. And it's what my, um, is it called a fiduciary? Anyway, see, I'm not, yeah, there you go. And, um, and my financial planner has suggested, and so, and, and I'm doing this because I'm hoping I have confidence in this company to bring me some financial gain. So, so that's one side of hope. I have confidence that Apple, let's just use that one, is going to continue moving forward, that that Lucid is going to be successful and, and they are going to bring me financial gain. But here's the other side of confidence. You check the stocks every day. You open up the newspaper, you Google it, you pull up the information on your computer and you're just curious, oh man, are they doing good? Boy, boy, I'm sure I'm hoping that they're doing good, right? I bought the stock with confidence, hoping, right? believing that they can bring me some financial investment. But then the other word for hope that we play with all the time is now I'm on the computer checking to see if we're, if we're still gaining and how many points we're up and I'm watching the stock exchange to, to, to make sure it's moving in a good direction today. And I'm watching all of that because I'm just hoping, I'm, I'm just hoping we survive this and I don't lose money, right? Do, do you see the two different kinds of hope? 
There's this hope of confidence and then there's this hope where you're not confident. There's this idea where I say, I put my hope in something that I know to be right and good and successful. And then there's this idea that I'm not sure if it is or not. I'm not sure hope it is. And, and, and when you mess with stocks, you literally, to be honest, your brain plays in both worlds. But true hope can't play in both worlds. Because literally the biblical word for hope um, has no unsurety to it. There's no if when we put our hope in Christ. Well, well, I don't know if I want to go with this Jesus thing or not because I just don't know. Well, if you know Jesus, then you do know. Well, I don't know if I can put my hope in the word of God. Well, if you understand the word of God and you live in it by faith, then you do know. You, you can't have hope in that. We find here in this passage in Romans chapter five, a people whom Paul has never visited. Paul didn't go to Rome, start a church, leave, come back, and then write a letter like he did in Thessalonica. Uh, Paul has never been to Rome. He will eventually get there, but at this point, at the end of his third missionary journey, when it's believed he pens this letter, he hasn't been to Rome. He understands Rome. He gets the culture of Rome the sinful nature, the brokenness. He, he understands the battle in humanity and the struggle to believe. So he doesn't necessarily need to be there to understand them. He just needs to understand humanity and understand God in order to write this letter. Romans chapter one through four is very foundational to the theology in which, uh, of what we believe. We're not gonna spend a lot of time there today, but those chapters develop um, who I am, that I am a broken sinner in need of a righteous savior. God is righteous, I am unrighteous. God is perfect and holy and just, and I am sinful and wicked and vile. And verse, chapters one through four develop this thinking that without God, and without his precious son, Jesus Christ, I could never enjoy life. Matter of fact, if you understand the book of Romans, you know that chapter four mentions somebody's name that we spent all a good port, not all, but a great portion of last year studying, and that was the man Abraham. Chapter four is all about Abraham's righteousness, and he, the Bible says that, that God declared Abraham righteousness because he what? Believed. He put his faith and confidence in God and none of us can be righteous without God. So when we pick up in chapter five, you can kind of understand a little bit of the context of this passage. So here we go, chapter number five and verse number one. Thank you, Tyler. You are my friend. And uh, it is, is it, how many of you are warm? I am warm. And when it's warm, you sweat or you go to sleep. <laughs> That's about the only two options, all right? Uh, so Romans chapter number five, look at verse number one. The Bible says, and, I, and, and I'm a wordy guy. I, I love words. And so we're gonna take some time to, my, are you serious, honey? 
She's nodding when I said I'm a wordy guy. She's like, oh, yes, you are. Okay, thank you, darling. Uh, you don't normally amen, but that was a good spot. No, I'm just kidding. All right, here we go. All right. Um, the Bible says this, therefore being justified. The word justified here is, um, is an amazing word. And, and, and I want to make, make sure you understand that if you're a child of the king, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, there's nothing about you that brings justification that Christ and through the blood atonement upon the cross is what has, quote unquote, justified you. Uh, some people have said, and, I, and, and the phrase is interesting, um, the word justified means that if I've been justified, it is just if I'd never sinned. So if there is a payment on me and, and, and there's, a, there's a, um, a penalty that must be paid, then either I've got to pay it in order to be justified or someone else can actually pay that in order for me to be justified. Because as of right now, there's a penalty, there's a payment on my life, and I've got to stand before the righteous judge with that penalty and with that payment. Watch, everybody in this room is a sinner. Uh, none of us are, are void of this. All of us, we have upon us a, a penalty because we are sinners. And somehow, some way, that, that penalty is going to be paid. Um, it's going to come to fruition, whether it's my, my serving that penalty in the place called hell, eternal separation from God, or it's a payment for that penalty so that I don't have to suffer for it, all right? So watch what the word justified means. It means to render or to show or to regard as innocent or free. I love the idea of this. It is a one-time legal declaration that has continuing results. So, so, so watch what the Bible says. There was a time in your life, this is important to understand hope. You, you've got to. There was a time in your life when there was no hope. You had a penalty upon your life that you could not pay even over an extended period of time. But the Bible says, therefore, being justified, how? What does the Bible say? By faith. So, so the justification that I have, the payment that has been made, is because God in his sovereignty has given me the um, ability through intellect to discern whether I want to put my faith and trust in him. I could have never done that myself lest God through his spirit had revealed his goodness to me and my brokenness and then allowed me the permission to make my own choice and decision by faith. Notice the word of God. By faith we have peace. Now the word peace there means rest, um, a quietness with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, Jason, could I borrow you? Mark, could I borrow you? I'm about to reveal something that no one knows except for Jason and his family and Mark and his family. Okay, nobody else knows this, and I hope you guys don't mind me. You can stand over here. I know you don't want to stand beside him, but um, I hope you don't mind me revealing this issue to the church because the Bible says some things need to be brought before the people. Okay, all right? Um, Jason loaned Mark a hundred bucks. 
the company was struggling. He needed a little help. And so he loaned him a hundred bucks a year ago. Okay, but Mark has never paid Jason back the hundred bucks. Actually, Chris, you come up here and Mark needs to sit down. Okay, uh, so, um, so Jason um, used to sit on the same side of the auditorium as Mark and Chris, but you can tell now they're now on, on different sides of the auditorium. And, and so I don't like this anymore. And so I want you to know, okay, Mark, that so that you don't have to feel uneasy anymore around him, and you're no longer worried that if you two are the last two left at church by accident, that he's gonna take you out back and work you over, right? And I know Marines stick together, I get that, but this is a money issue, right? I mean, this is, yeah, this goes beyond the brotherhood of the Marines. I mean, you need your money and Mark hasn't paid you, and I get that, and I don't like there to be tension. I don't like there to be unrest between members in our church. I don't like there to be um, um, worry and fear and anxiety that he is going to take it out on you or he's going to get his own. But the truth be known, you owe him. Don't you? Yes, yes you do. You owe him. You owe him $100. All of us understand um, whether it's somebody in church that we've borrowed from against or that we owe, or even if it's the bank, there's this awkwardness that comes when there's a debt that hasn't been paid and the penalty is coming due or the payment is coming due. There's this unrest. If, you, if you've bought a car and you owe on that car, if your date is the 15th of every month, there's this anxiety that's created around that time, unless you're not like me and you're just super wealthy and money grows on trees for you, or you paid in cash and the car's paid for, you don't have that stress. Or you keep lending, right? You borrow from another, you know, and it just keeps snowballing, right? And so there's, there's all this anxiety. Watch church, this is so important. I've decided as the pastor of this church that I am going to justify him. I am going to pay this man $100 out of my pocket. He doesn't owe me, it is finished. And he no longer deserves payment. It's coming out of my personal pocket. All right, so what that does is that justifies Mark. It sets him free, okay, to now have great relationship with the one that he's paid the penalty to, but, but it gives him a better relationship with me because I'm the one that made the payment on his behalf. Okay, now when we understand justification, what Romans chapter five is wanting us to recognize, and it's gonna just break open to this beautiful thought in just a minute, is that we owed a sin penalty. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Everybody in this room deserves death, eternal separation from God because of who we are. But the Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus came and paid that penalty to satisfy God. God is, he's gotta be satisfied in this. 
So, so watch what your Bible says here. The word of God says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace, quietness with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you guys friends now? Everything's covered. You got your money, you're happy. No longer frustrated with him. Do you feel like you can sit and carry a conversation with him? Yeah, just go ahead and move over here, Chris. I'm just kidding. And uh, you guys can go sit down. I, I know it's a simple illustration, but sometimes I think it's good for us as God's people to see it visually because I really believe this. We as Christians, we treat the work of Christ like buying stocks. And we know when we accept Jesus Christ that he can do all and take care of all and pay all, but then we come in every day and we just check to make sure he's still getting it done, as if he couldn't. And we don't have confidence. God, I gave you my life when I was, let's say, for me, it was 19 years old. I trusted you as my savior. I put all confidence in you, but Lord, I don't really know if you can handle the battle that I'm going through right now. I gave you my eternity, my forever, my life, but I, I don't really have the hope that you can keep that trend going. And, and, and that is our weakness. That is our humanity, our brokenness, wondering if God can. I get that, all of us, but this is where these passages give us hope. Watch what happens when we recognize that we've been justified. Look what God gives. Therefore, being justified by faith, what do we have? What do we have, church? What do we have? Peace. The words say we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you don't have to lay awake at night and wonder if you're going to die and go to hell. You don't have to have anxiety tomorrow, whether on the way in the work. I know there's anxiety about death and people being left behind. I get all that. It is painful, but you don't have to personally worry if you don't make that journey from here to there where you're gonna be in eternity. God, he's given us peace that through Jesus, your payment has been paid past, present, future. That's the God that we serve. What else do we have? Look at the text. The Bible says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also, by Jesus also, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Oh man, this, this brand new position before God. It, it, it's not only that we have salvation and we've been justified, but now we can stand before him, recognizing the access that we have to his grace. I understand the concept of it all, but it would be a shame on Mark to recognize that at one time in his life, I had enough to pay a bill and that I wouldn't have enough next time. Right? Mark, I mean, did I not pay the bill last year? Dude, if, if you owe him money again, ask. I would love to say this humanly, the bank is unlimited, right? And, and that's why I think it's so hard to understand hope because we know that our bank's not unlimited. We know that our account is gonna go empty, whether that be a financial account or a physical account. 
We recognize how broken we are, but watch, the Bible says when you um, accept the justification by grace through faith, you receive peace with God and watch, access by faith into what? This grace, this unlimited, unmerited favor of God, child of the King, we he wants to bless us with his grace. He wants to give us his goodness. He is ready, the Bible says. He is a, uh, a God that is meek and lowly in heart, willing to forgive, willing to provide what is necessary for our life, willing to show forgiveness, willing that none should perish, but all should come to repentance, willing to fill us with his spirit and power and give us strength and help. And this is where we stand. Watch, you don't stand carrying in a corner as an orphan who doesn't have a family. You now stand in the grace and rejoice. And rejoice, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Notice this right here, the word hope. The word hope in this passage is defined as this, expectation or confidence. Expectation or confidence. I am, I, I do personally as a man struggle with, with pride in this area. Um, I don't necessarily care if um, I fail, but it bothers me to know that you think that I'm going to fail. It really does. With my wife, if we get into an argument, most of my recovery in that argument is not um, defining whether I failed or not. It's just trying to let her know that I'm a good man and I didn't want to fail and I did fail and I'm not going to fail you again. I just want you to put your confidence and trust back in me. I don't want to lose that trust. With you as a church people, I know that I'm going to fail, but that you're knowing my failure doesn't bother me half as much as if I know you're wondering if I'm going to fail you again. That's what bothers me. That's a pride thing. I mean, it messes me up in my head, man. It messes me up bad. I love my kids and my kids know I fell, but what I don't want them to know after I fell is that daddy is weak and frail and he doesn't walk with God and he doesn't love me and doesn't care about me and he's gonna fail me again. That, that bothers me to my core. I want them to have hope in me. I want you to know that I'm broken, but I don't want you to know that I'm gonna break on purpose, right? I mean, it just messes me up. That, that's the idea of the word hope. But no matter how I try to play that out, if you recognize the brokenness of man, your hope is futile in me. In the back of your head, you always know that I'm frail and broken and can fail. But here's what we cannot have with God. That hope is different. That hope with God is he will never fail. He hasn't failed. He cannot fail. And he's proven it by paying my penalty, justifying me on the cross through his son, Jesus Christ, who lived here 33 years, sinless and perfect, the lamb, spotless lamb of God for you and for me. And now I get to stand in front of him in the grace that he has, and I have hope. Ready, hope in what? Look at the phrase, the hope of the glory of God. The word glory is defined as this. 
It means to boast, to rejoice, or to rejoice in character. Um, the word means to, it, 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 it's, it's a crazy word because it's the idea of, um, all right, so, so let's go back to this. Uh, these two men are Marines, and then multiple times a year, we elevate those who have served in our military, whether Marines or Navy, Air Force, Army, Coast Guard, whatever. We elevate, we glory in, we, we give glory to the character of their accomplishments. Okay, guys, put this on a, a whole nother level. You and I, as children of the king, when we recognize who God is, we glory, we boast in, we rejoice in the character of God. He's never failed me nor forsaken me. He's never been wrong or off the mark. And therefore, I can have hope in him. Watch this, look at verse three. And not only so, but we glory, again, the word means to boast in, to rejoice in tribulations also. I, I, I think this is really a cool statement. Here, here's what it's saying in our vernacular. As if I didn't have enough to, to glory in, I can glory in the fact that even when I'm squeezed, the word, we were laughing on the platform today, um, I'm very hoarse and so I really couldn't sing tenor, and so I sang lead today, and Tyler sang the tenor, but he has to really squeeze it, and we're like, we were like, you're telling him that's, that's what the word tribulation means. It means to squeeze it out. When tribulation comes and pressure comes, we can glory, and we can rejoice, we can boast, because if he was big enough to conquer sin, he's big enough to lead us through the tribulation of this life. We have hope, church, we have hope in the work of Christ, in the character of God. That's what you and I have today. Notice what the text says. And not only so, not just that, but we glory, we boast in tribulations also, knowing that this pressure worketh patience. The word patience is endurance. And this endurance works experience. That, that, that means this idea of being proved in a moment and experience hope. The same definition again, the word hope meaning expectation. And hope maketh not ashamed. If I have hope, then I cannot and will not be ashamed. How many of you have ever done this? Think about your stocks. Hey, do you invest? Oh yeah, we invest. What have you invested in? And at that moment, that confident stock that you had is actually not doing good. And you're like, well, who we, who we bought stock in is really not important. No, no, seriously, seriously, who have you bought stock in? And you know the stock is declining, the company's not doing good, and you know you're on a downfall, and you're a little ashamed to say, um, yeah, yeah, we put our stock in that. Are you serious? Are you dumb? Are you out of your mind? Why would you put your money? Have you not pulled out? Have you not sold your stock yet? But you can't sell your stock because it's crashing and now you're just all messed up inside. Okay, so watch. That's not real hope. Hope brings me to a point of confidence to where I'm not ashamed of what I have hope in. Hey, hey, church, can I... Can I 
Can I just be transparent? When we walk in to work as Christians and our heads are down and we're defeated and we think there's no hope and we proclaim that with our lips and our attitude and our lifestyle. And, and look, guys, I, I, I want to be so careful because I know as a nation we should still stand for righteousness and, and fight for, for freedom. I get that. But we walk into the office and all we do is gripe and complain about politicians and politics and we, that, our life is consumed with the brokenness of our culture and our society and we walk out of there and they think, wow, that's a Christian? There ought to be hope in our voice. There ought to be a confidence behind what we believe that the Bible says we're unashamed of. Hope maketh not ashamed. We're not disappointed. Can anybody here honestly say I'm disappointed in Christ? You may be disappointed in what you feel your outcomes could be, but you cannot say I'm disappointed in Christ. True hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, which is given to us. Church, all that to be said is because of the work of Calvary, the gift of God, we've been justified. And since we're justified, we have peace with God and a standing in his grace. And not only so for our salvation, but in tribulation also. So you notice what Paul is doing with the Roman people that he's never met. He's not necessarily equating Rome. He's equating life. Whether you're in Rome or in Thessalonica or in Athens or in America or in Casa Grande, Humanity struggles in the area of hope. So recognize who God is. Recognize what God has done and move in hope. Three things that hope is. I want us to understand hope, and then we're gone. Number one, ready? Think about these things, and I hope this it's encouraged you like it has encouraged me. Hope, it's an outward expression of an inward transformation. Hope, it's an outward expression of an inward transformation. Amy and Phil, I love these people in spite of them. The fact that they're Dallas fans makes me, there's a part of me in my nostalgia because I was raised, I, I, I was a Dallas fan. I had Danny White pajamas and I had the Dallas Leatherman jacket with the big star here and the, and the pleather sleeves. You remember the plastic leather sleeves? And, and I had a Dallas Leatherman jacket. My grandfather was a um, uh, Washington Redskin fan, and so we were always at each other because they were huge rivals. And then as I got older, I got smarter. No, just kidding. As I got older, I just began to cheer for wherever I lived. So when I was in the Carolinas, I cheered for the Panthers. And now that I live here, I just cheer for the local yokels. And that's not good. Okay. And, uh, and so, um, but it's been fun to watch Dallas this year. I remember when Dak Prescott got injured and the backup quarterback came in and I watched like two or three of those games and he was winning every one of them. And I'm like, this is outstanding. This backup quarterback is doing great. Then he lost one, remember? And, and, and now Dak is back and, and, and they've won some and lost some, but they have, they're, they're, are they for sure in the, I can't, I didn't keep up this last, 
They play Monday. If they win, they're in. If they lose, they're out. Okay, and so, um, uh, you know, watching Dallas over the years, I don't have the same hope I had when Troy Aikman was in the backfield and uh, Emmett Smith was the running back, right? I mean, we knew they were going to win. There was a confidence, and that confidence is a little, it's a little shaky. Dallas has been a little, a little shaky. So, so there's a little nostalgia. I'm kind of cheer, kind of cheering because I don't have anybody to cheer for here. They're horrible, okay? But and they're out. Um, they're they're not even playing in the toilet bowl, okay? They have been flushed and done with. And and but you know Dallas is there, and and so there's this there's this um this um hope but not the same hope as this. This is the outward expression of a complete and utter inward change. This is not just a new coach and the same quarterback. This is a new coach and a new coaching staff and a new quarterback and a new line and a new defense and a new running back and, 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 and the best wide receivers money can buy. This is, this is the ultimate all-star team that will not and cannot lose. And, and church, when, when we recognize what Christ had to do and accomplish so that you and I could be redeemed, that helps us through an inward transformation give an outward expression of what I truly believe and truly am. That's what this passage is literally saying. The word of God says, because of your justification, your one-time legal declaration of what God has done, we have peace. We're no longer at odds with God. Quit living like you're at odds with God. And that's how we treat God. We, we literally treat God like a, a beaten puppy. When, when God is the one that brings continual victory, he, he, he's sitting at the table of his righteousness and grace and feeding you from the table. Why do we shy away like he's always angry and mad? It's an outward expression of an inward transformation. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is hope. And church, because of what he has accomplished upon the cross, he can overcome and we should have hope in God. He's worthy to be followed. He's worthy of that expression outwardly. Number two, hope. It's the endurance required for spiritual maturity. Hope is the endurance required for spiritual maturity. Look back at verse number three. And not only so, but we glory, we boast in the squeezing that comes from tribulations, the pressure. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Are you hearing this? Not only so, as if we didn't have enough. We as, this is crazy, I know it is, but we as God's people actually um, boast and glory in the squeezing. We don't glory in what is squeezing, but we glory in the squeezing, in the pressure. Uh, this past week, uh, most of you remember Cody Bryant that came here and served with us for a summer. Several years ago, his dad passed in a sudden um, 
basically blood pressure would rise and the heart dissection, the heart vessels ripped open and then dissected the heart. And he went into a coma and lived in that for that state of, of almost being brain dead for quite a while and then eventually passed away. Well, this past week, Cody's brother Kyle died of the same thing while at work. And these are within just a short amount of time apart. I talked to Cody on the phone multiple times and, and we've shared conversation. And, and, and here's what he says. Ray, I don't know how to find any joy in this, but I find hope. He says, I have nothing. There is no way to explain this. Kyle had just gotten married. He'd only been married for three and a half weeks, leaving a widow behind, a mother who's already lost his dad, her husband. And now there's a brother without a brother, two sisters without a brother. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't sit down and script it out and say, here's a list of things that, that might be a good reason this happened. There is no list. How do you put all that together? So the, the, the literal church, are you listening? When we're squeezed, the only thing we boast in is this. This is it. God's good. God knows. God can. That's all I've got. I have nothing else to give. Why? Because of who he is. I can't even walk away from that as a pastor and say this. I'm going to be honest with you, in, in logic, so please understand what I'm saying. I can't even tell Cody, you know what, Cody? Um, I can't even see a good God in this. Could not we be tempted to say, Lord, how could that be good? How could you be good to take away somebody's spouse after three and a half weeks of marriage? How could? And honestly, in our humanity, that, that's all we can give. We have to only look at the fact that he is good and he is righteous and he is perfect and holy and just and I'll never see it on this side of heaven but my hope is is that I've got to keep going. I've just got to take another step. Me and Rob Redland were talking about this on the phone yesterday, and both of us, two pastors who love Jesus, love God, love the Bible, sitting there going, I don't get it, but I know one thing, the Bryant's gonna have to get up today, and they're gonna have to take the next step in hope that he is right and he is good and he is perfect with confidence and surety and endurance. We cannot quit. Watch what it says happens when we're squeezed. The Bible says, notice the transition. We go through tribulation, and tribulation has to produce endurance. That's the first thing hope does. It gives me endurance. And endurance produces maturity. Notice what the text actually says. Go with me to verse number three. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation works or produces patience. That is endurance. And endurance works or produces experience. That is character. That is maturity. That's proof of endurance. Not only did I get squeezed, but because I believe in who he is and his work, I endured. And because I endured, it's created spiritual maturity in who I am and my character, my believing. And from that, character brings confidence. Character brings confidence. I know I've elevated these three, but there's so many, and, I, and it's not even in my notes, but there, I mean, these two, there's, there's so much. But as a Marine, 
when a Marine goes into or even whether Army or Navy or whatever, when they go in, they spend that, that training period, basic training, what? To squeeze. Did you get squeezed, Jason? To, to squeeze every bit of weakness. Remember, uh, what, what do the Marines say? Pain is weakness exiting the body. It's squeezing out all of that. And what is required during the squeezing? Endurance. Endurance is necessary to create a mature soldier who next, the fourth thing, says, I, no matter what, know that when we go into battle, we will win. Hope. We've got this. We're the best military in the world. Whether they are or not, every one of them believe it. Before they walk out on the battlefield, there's no doubt in their mind that they're going to come home with a victory. Do you understand? And that is who we are in Christ. On a so much bigger level. We have hope today. My encouragement to Ray McCormick, God, excuse me, God's encouragement to me, and now me handing this to you, is to say, guys, I don't know what 2023 is going to bring. I don't know what kind of squeezing is gonna happen based upon what you believe about Jesus Christ. But I do know this, we have hope. We have confidence in who he is. The Bible says this in Psalm 130, verse five, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. What a thought. When, when everything else is crumbling and changing and altering around us, we have hope in the word of God. Psalm 71, 14, but I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. What a thought. Thirdly, it's the satisfaction that comes as a result of looking upward and not outward. Our job, if we understand hope, is to look upward and not outward. Looking upward and not outward. Boy, that brings a lot more satisfaction, doesn't it? I'm just looking upward. I'm looking upward and not outward. Notice what the text says in verse five. And hope maketh not ashamed. The word shamed means um, not disappointed. If I truly understand who I'm hoping in, can I ever be disappointed? No. He is great. He is good. Can you be disappointed in me? Yes. Will you be? You don't have to be so loud with your amens, Jim. I mean, gracious. Right? I mean, I did expect that out of others, but not you. Right? And, uh, but can you and will you be disappointed in me? Absolutely. I have no doubt. But I also will be disappointed in you because my hope doesn't rest in you. My hope rests in Christ. Can I be disappointed in the economy, in politicians? Yes, sure. But will I be disappointed in him? No, satisfied always, no matter what. He satisfies. And so when I look upward, notice what the Bible says in the text again, and hope maketh not ashamed because, why? The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. B. 
because of the love of God and part of that love is his gift of the Holy Spirit, I've got what's necessary to hope. When all of my friends are living a worldly lifestyle, I can look to that, I can be involved in that, but it will leave me disappointed. When, when, when relationships um, seem to be that one item that's gonna hold me up and, and they fall, I can recognize that, that he will not. And I can rejoice in the fact that when money doesn't sustain, sustain me, I can rest in Christ. Notice again what the text says, shed abroad, the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. It really ties in with Romans 15, 13 that says this. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope. How? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. How many of you have ever walked up on that person, whether in our church or at work or whatever, that's that naturally negative person? Right now, you've got people in your brain. You didn't mean to, but they just popped in. Okay, these are people It's like, oh, woe is me. Life is so bad. They're the people on Facebook that when you see it, their post, you just fling it really fast and you scroll right by it, right? Things are terrible. Oh, man, you, you, every time you get around them, you leave just down and depressed, right? You're just like, oh, my goodness. I've, I, I got to avoid that negative person, okay? Uh, by the way, that should not be a child of the king. I mean, they might be because their look is outward, not upward. But the Bible says that the reason we act like that is because that is the natural tendency. It, it, it honestly is natural for us to go, oh my goodness, I'm so scared. When the Bible says fear not, right? I mean, because it is our natural tendency to be human and flesh and intimidated and down and depressed, but some of us are a little more than normal, right? Okay, but, but the honest truth is if I'm going to live in hope, I will only be able to live it because of the justification that I've been given through Christ and the Holy Spirit that's been given to me because of the love of God. It is not natural for me to go, okay, I get it, I get it, heaven's Heaven's bigger, and it's more awesome than what's happening down here. So we have the privilege because of who lives inside of us to walk faithfully in hope. Stop letting the outward moment win. Everything bad and negative, and they're going to hurt me again, and or I'm, I'm not going to be able to pay the bills, or... You know, I can't trust my job. And I get it. I get all of that. And I get the world is crazy. And man, if, I, if we could only have the Republicans back in office, we would fix, we will not fix this thing with Republicans in office. You understand that, right? I mean, there might be some policies that'll be a little easier to swallow, but it will not fix this. The only thing that's gonna fix this is the hope that God gives through justification and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that lives within every believer that looks above and not around. That's the hope that we have. And that's what needs to be shared, proclaimed, gloried, 
rejoiced in. That's how we make a difference, is revealing the hope we have in God. Hey, hey, man, don't you hope Trump gets in this year? You know what? Uh, To be honest with you, if Trump gets in, that'll be fine. But what I really hope in is there's a God on the throne that knows what's happening right now. And he is not shocked at all by the Republicans or the Democrats. My, my, man, can you imagine your coworker going, oh, sorry for asking. <laughs> or would they? They're expecting that normal response. They're fishing for this debate and conversation. What they need is hope. They need hope. We want to thank you for joining us on the NLBC podcast today. We hope that God will allow this message to truly make a difference in your life. As you learn more about Him and as you study His Word, we pray that it will cause you to live out the gospel in a whole new way. Again, if you would like to connect with us, feel free to reach out by visiting our website at newlifecasagrande.com. If you are local to the Casa Grande area, then we would love to have you join us in person. We have services at 8.30 and 11 a.m. each Sunday morning with a host of other opportunities to develop a godly community to learn and to grow. We'll see you next week on the New Life Baptist Church podcast.